Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. The winners are the, the people with the most stories. One of the great things about traveling is the people that you meet. I've slept in bus stations, like yeah. I've slept on people's floors. And it's already on fire, and then there's just a gigantic, huge explosion, like out of a Hollywood movie. It's not right or wrong, it's just different. We hired like 10 Chinese prostitutes to come be our audience. We were kidnapped by nuns in Puerto Rico. <laughs> not a good idea to be high when you're packing. You forget a lot of stuff. I got swine flu. By the time you've lived through it, it's just a good story. Hey everybody, welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Siegel. My guest today is me. And before we get to me, I'd like to welcome you to 2024. Can you believe it? We made it. This is about the 13th, about, what am I saying about? It is the 13th year. Actually, we're kind of like the autumn of 2011. We started this, but whatever. Can you believe it? Over a dozen years of doing the Travel Tales Podcast, and I never get bored of it. Why? Because travel is my favorite thing to do, and I think that's why you're here, because you must love travel as well. But before I get to me and my latest bit of travel, I will say some announcements. And first, our website is TravelTalesPodcast.com, and there you can see photos of our guests, and you can see some stories that some of the guests have written. You can see some stories that I've written. Some of them are aging quite a bit at this point, but um, they're there if you want to know. And... uh, also, you can see links to the guest social media, and you can li- see links to our social media. And by that, uh, Instagram is probably the big one. So if you can follow me on Instagram, Travel Tales Podcast on Instagram, I would appreciate it. I'm going to be loading even more photos of my latest trip. So um, check that out because there's a lot of cool stuff to see, and I'm going to try to post more um, video in the future as well. A lot of the stories and reels, um, you know, I know I got to get better on that but you know i'm an old guy and it uh takes a little more for this old dog to new learn new tricks but i'm getting there um so instagram travel tales podcast and uh, we have a facebook page too if you can follow us on there at travel tales podcast find us subscribe give us a listen and speaking of subscribe speaking of subscribing i should say um most of you listen to us on either apple podcasts or spotify or iHeartRadio, wherever you get your podcasts, I would appreciate not only that you subscribe, but also that you give us a thumbs up or a good rating. Give us some stars on there. That's all I've ever asked from you on this because it boosts our presence on those platforms and gets us a little more visibility. And that's always a cool thing. So maybe more people will find us. So costs you nothing. I would appreciate it if you did that. If you think you might be right for the show or you know somebody who might be right for the show, either as a guest or uh, maybe you just want to write me and ask me questions about travel or, you know, just tell me how awesome I am. You can write me at TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. That's TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. Okay, I am back in town. I'm in L.A. after having been gone for a month. That's right, gone for a month. And what a month it was. All the holidays. Let's see. I left, uh, I think, December 7th was when I left. And I had to fly to Papiete, Tahiti to catch a ship. This is my first uh, stand-up gig on Norwegian cruise lines. And uh, this one was a little more complicated because I learned later that because we were going to Australia, which is where I was taking the ship for two weeks, I was going from Papiete, Tahiti 
to Australia, to Sydney, and because we're going to Australia, Australian law makes me have to go on the crew manifest and not the guest manifest, which is a big difference in terms of um, I had to get a mariner's license, a seaman's license, uh, or visa, a work visa, which was a little more complicated than I uh, that I wanted and, and cost a little, but I was reimbursed for that. But still, it's a hassle. Um, I had to come in, take like a safety drill test and uh, this stuff I don't have to do when I'm listed as a passenger on the passenger list when I'm doing stand-up, which is how I'm usually listed. Anyhow, I made it. And uh, for future reference, if any of you have to come through this problem, I thought, but by the time I could, I got to Sydney, uh, that I, the plan was that I was going to stay two extra weeks. Uh, my girlfriend was going to fly out and meet me in Sydney. We we're going to spend the next two weeks uh, bumming around uh, Sydney and Australia and its environs. And um, the problem was, I thought this maritime visa would allow me to stay. I read it over and over again, and it seemed like I was good for that. But uh, no, this uh, Mariner's visa was only good in between ships and up to the most five days I could stay in Australia, which left me scrambling. I didn't find this out till the end, toward the end of my two weeks, where I casually mentioned it on stage that I was staying in Australia when we got there. And the uh, entertainment director who was in the booth saw me and said after the show, hey, do you have a um, ETA visa, which is the typical tourist visa that Americans can get very easily online with an app? Um, And uh, I said, no, I thought my maritime visa would handle that. (laughs) Oh, was I dumb. And I consider myself an expert traveler. And this was a this was a rookie mistake. I should have looked harder into it, read the fine print, and realized that my maritime visa, only good for five days. Well, that left me having to scramble to try to get this regular tourist visa, which um, required me to download an app, which I could not do with the slow, awful Wi-Fi on board. I had one stop in New Caledonia left by this point. New Caledonia, which is a French territory, just off uh, like around the Coral Sea near Australia. That was our last stop. And I could get enough Wi-Fi on land there to download the app. But since I was on the crew manifest, they had my passport locked up. And I, oh, part of this app, I had to scan the passport. So I had to go back to the ship, get the passport, and then punch everything in, scan it, get that to work. And by the time that I got to the final step, which was, and this is important, folks, if you ever go to Australia, um... They had to locate my phone. Well, by that time, literally 20 minutes earlier, we had pulled away from the dock, could not get a phone signal, and this app could not locate my phone because this visa has to be acquired outside of Australia. So I got five of the six pages almost all the way through. All they got to do was locate my phone, and they couldn't, and I couldn't get the visa. And that set off a whole chain of events. I ended up getting a multiple entry visa, which cost me over $100, whereas the normal ETA visa is either free or only like 20 bucks. Um, Regardless, it went down to the wire. I got this thing at the last minute, and they let me in the country. Woof, all right. Um, I went to a couple 
first we'll start with the cruise. Went to a couple different islands, like I said, New Caledonia, which was not bad. Uh, again, on a cruise ship, you don't get to see a lot. You got like six, seven hours to get off the ship and see whatever. And in New Caledonia, which was a little cleaner and nicer than some of the other ports we went to, um, the port that we stopped in Fiji, which I had never been. I ticked that one off the list, but uh, the area we were at, not that great. And it was a Sunday and not much was open. And what I'm finding, uh, much like the Caribbean, uh, a lot of these islands in the South Pacific uh, are not wealthy. Um, I'm talking about Fiji, uh, Samoa, Western Samoa. Um, so the cities, the main towns, are not that pretty. Um, where you want to be is in a jungle somewhere, at a nice resort, or out on the water. That's where you want to be in these islands. Uh, with the exception of things like Morea, Morea, where I went back to after having just been there in October. And if you follow the show, you know I was just there. Uh, didn't get a chance to see too much of Morea this time around. Um, but I, because I had to perform that night and um, we were tendering in. And plus, I just spent three days in Morea. And uh, I did it with a rental car, went all the way around, and uh, I got to snorkel and with the whales, and the whales were gone by the time we went back there in December. And uh, so I'm embarrassed to say I stayed on the ship in Maria that time, this time around. But uh, I still recommend it. It's great. But the other islands, uh, I've heard great things about Fiji. It's just the port where we moved. It was a, an industrial port. I walked into town, which was not nice. Um, but I know there's great parts of Fiji and I would go back to, but not on a cruise ship. You know what I mean? Um, but Sydney, let's talk about it. I haven't been to Sydney for 26 years at, oh, you know, at that point. So it was, um, actually going on 20, I don't know, 27 years, 20, uh, almost 28 years, January of 96, do the math folks, which is. 28 years from this month. Hadn't been there since then when I was my first solo backpacking trip. And to say it has changed is an understatement. It has grown considerably and it is growing all the time. Um, they are booming in that country. And I don't like to slag America. I, you know, I, we have our problems. Every country has its problems. But in seeing Australia, and yes, we're not going to get into how many advantages they have uh, having such a vast country, a country the size of America, but only 25 million people. Um, they are wealthy, and they can spend a lot per capita. And it's great to see a place where they're spending it on things like infrastructure. The trains were wonderful. Um, and to the airport, right to the airport. What a concept. Los Angeles, are you listening? Got around very easily on the trains, which are very clean, very safe. Um, the city was clean. Cranes everywhere, building going on. Um, tunnels, the new tunnels that they keep building all the time for roads and trains. Uh, things are happening there. And it's, uh, it's kind of nice to see. <laughs> and um, coming home was kind of a drag. And I don't like to slag the country, but I mean, we are falling behind in things um, like infrastructure. 
and uh, when I see you know us still trying to upgrade, and I'm talking mostly LA here, but every city has this kind of problem, not dealing with traffic. Cities around the country just sprawling out suburbs and just putting roads in, but no public transportation. Just growth without, with short-term thinking and not long-term thinking. And there they seem to be spending it on, you know, the long haul. And uh, I could be wrong. I might get some Australians telling me, oh, we got problems. Yeah, you got problems. But you know what? They're much more able to handle them with 25 million people as opposed to us with, you know, 340, 50, 350 million people and counting because the differences are still stark. The same thing that hit me when I went back there in 96 was the lack of people and how very cool beaches, even in the heart of the city. I went to Bondi Beach, the two, and I stayed in Manly Beach, which are the two most popular beaches in Sydney, which is a big city. I mean, there's two really, you know, big, what we say, American-sized cities in Australia. That's Sydney and Melbourne and Perth for a little bit. But I mean, let's, you know, Sydney and Melbourne, I think have about 4 million each. So they're big cities. I stayed in, in Manly and Bondi, Bondi probably being the most famous beach there and the most popular, not only with the locals, but with tourists. And I was there on, on a Saturday during a holiday week when everybody was off. There was tons of tourists in town, beautiful weather. And was it crowded? Yes, but not even as typically crowded as an average Saturday at Venice Beach. If this is the busiest it gets, and it probably was around the busiest it would get, there was still room on the beach. The water was still clean. There was a distinct lack of trash and definitely a lack of uh, homeless, although there was some, but nothing like we have. Nothing. The lack of graffiti on things. Cleanliness was a stark difference, and it's sad that is a stark difference from what I'm used to in America. And I'm not talking just to LA. I mean, any city in America. And just from our sheer size alone, that beach would have been overrun, as would many at Manly Beach when I was there, which I was there, like I said, during the holidays and not that crowded. I mean, crowded for them. The locals were like, wow, it's so crowded here. And I'm just laughing to myself going, if you think this is crowded, whew, man, not only do we stay in Sydney, but we rented a car, drove up to uh, the Hunter Valley Wine Country, which is about an hour and a half, two-hour drive. And I drove on the uh, left side of the road, thank you very much, without a hitch. I'm getting to be a pro at this. And uh, again, this is about the same distance from Napa would be to San Francisco. And holiday season, uh, there was availabilities at the hotels, no traffic when just, once you get up there. And I've been to uh, Napa on crowded weekends and oof, it can get tight. And still, you know, the, the lack of people is kind of great, man. Is it nice? And it's quiet at night. We, we rented a, a, a cool little place out in the, uh, in the field, basically <laughs> these little pod kind of, uh, hotel rooms, a brand new place called the, the lane retreat. Uh, look it up. And, but very, very peaceful. Saw kangaroos, which you don't see in Napa. <laughs> and uh, spent a couple of days up there and then drove over, over to Newcastle. And Newcastle is, I found out later, about the seventh largest city in Australia, in the whole country. And it was only like 600,000, the whole metropolitan area. In downtown, maybe 300,000, 350. And it's right on the beach. 
in the what area they call the Central Coast, which was a few hours north, uh, two, three hours north of Sydney. And uh, we spent a couple nights there while exploring the Central Coast. Went to Port Sport Stevens and went to a beach there, one mile beach. <laughs> I mean, just, I mean, so few people. And it is a one mile beach. We did some hikes there. And this is how we lucked out as well. Usually the, this is the start of the summer there. And usually over the holidays can be extremely hot. And it was the week before I got there. But a few days before I got there, a storm moved in. Actually, my first few days that I was solo up in Manly when I really wanted hot weather because I was staying right at the beach, uh, rain, poof, rained, um, which was kind of a drag. But it did keep the temperatures down. And so the following week of walking around the city, we did the touristy things like walking on the... I didn't do the bridge walk, which I was told, you know, that's a must do. What we did go do, and I was told this by a couple uh, locals, what you do is you walk on one of the pylons, which is basically a giant, there's four giant posts. I mean, big concrete posts, I don't, not a post, but it's a pylon where the bridge goes into, two on each side that support the bridge, right? You can climb to the top of one of them. There's a museum and you, it's not as high as this, as if you walk to the top of the Sydney Harbor Bridge, you know, when I, uh, which takes three hours and you walk on the scaffolding and you're tethered on and that you wear a jumpsuit, that whole thing. And you stand at the top. We didn't do that, uh, but we did go to the top of the pylon, which has amazing views. And, um, and that was only like 25 bucks, whereas the bridge walk is about 250 us dollars and uh uh, my lady was a little too she's not good with heights so getting her up the pylon was still pretty tall and pretty big accomplishment we did walk across the bridge um so we got views from we got tremendous views so we just it just never had a good day and i was going to do the bridge walk before she arrived but again, like I said, every day was kind of cloudy and overcast and rained. So I didn't want to be up there during a rainstorm. That would have been a real drag. Um, but I have no regrets about it. I didn't, do the, I didn't do the bridge walk. Normally, that would be my style. But this time, didn't really regret it. We paid to take a tour of the Opera House, which was very touristy, of course. But I'm glad we did. Only takes about an hour. And I learned about it. It was a pretty amazing story about the Opera House and how uh, they pitched it. It was a guy who had never really designed. It wasn't an architect. It was just kind of a guy who designed it and drew it on a, you know, a rough drawing, and it was approved. And they said it was going to take only three years to build, and it took 16 years to build. 16! And uh, the designer eventually got kicked off it, and uh, he never saw it after it was built. He was a, a Norwegian who never came back and never saw it in person. Um, even, you know, it was an old man which is, uh, but they, it's sad in a lot of ways, but, you know, they have acknowledged him and uh, they mentioned him throughout the tour and everything like that. So fascinating story and just a really cool building. And so I'm glad we did that. That was kind of a corny thing that I thought maybe we didn't want to do, but did that. We toured the Taranga Zoo. We took, you know, went to the zoo one, one morning, which was kind of cool. You take the ferry. Again, ferries will take you everywhere. Uh, around. I took it to Manly. We took it to to the zoo. You can take it. Uh, it was just easy. 
it was just easy getting around. So if you're staying in downtown Sydney, you don't need a car uh, because the hotels will charge you to park every night as well. So don't bother. Uh, if you stay in the center, you, you can get around pretty easy. And there is Uber as well. So that's easy. Another plus, the exchange rate. Uh, $1 US was worth a, almost $1.50 in Australian. So that was good. Also good is that you don't tip. Tipping is not customary there. So your, your restaurant bill is what it is. And uh, you just pay it and then you're gone. And oh, is that nice for an American? That is just great. And also, um, my customary thing to do when I go to another country is immediately, you know, I like having some of the local cash on me. Just, just in case, it's good to have cash. But Australia, it is basically a cashless society. I didn't need the cash at all. Everything's just a touch boop, on your uh, card from the restaurants to the train. Oh, that was the other thing. I thought I would have to get like a train card, like an Oyster card you get in London or an MTA card you would get in New York. Nope, you can just use your regular Visa card, tap it to get on the train, tap it when you get off. Still about the same. And uh, yeah, very simple. Unless you're going to be there a long time and you want to top up your, your local card, um, you can do that, but just for a week and just, nope, easy, just to bloop. And I looked on my, we had no idea even how much a one-way ride on the train was. <laughs> and a lot of times I looked on the, uh, on my visa bill after, after, you know, we had left. A bunch of those rides were like 67 cents, which means they were like a dollar local. So, I mean, how, how great is that? Uh, yeah. And renting the car, I, again, pretty simple. I used a um, local company called East Coast Rentals. East Coast, yeah, East Coast Car Rental. And they were fine, but all the big players are there at the Sydney Airport, Hertz, Avis, whatever you, whatever you use. Also, um, one of the reasons we wanted to be there was for New Year's Eve. New Year's Eve is uh, a big deal in Sydney. We've all... Um, well, most of us have seen the fireworks display where they blow off the fireworks over the uh, Sydney Harbor Bridge from the bridge and below it. It's it's a big deal. And uh, we had a mutual friend there who had a an apartment on the north side of Sydney in a suburb area called Waverton, neighbor, neighborhood called Waverton, where you could see not the whole bridge, but uh, that's a half of it. And uh, one whole side of it from his balcony, which was awesome. And uh, I'm not going to say I'm old, but uh, I'm at the age now where camping out on a lawn all day long to get a good spot to watch fireworks is not something I want to do. I'd rather have a friend with a nice balcony and have some drinks and some good food and with a, you know, half dozen other people. Or it was about 10 of us, 10, 12 of us. And it was fantastic. It was great. And what a celebration. If you, if you find, if you have the opportunity to be in Sydney anytime, but especially during uh, New Year's, definitely take it. And that's also the downside, if there was a negative, that a lot of people want to go to Sydney for New Year's Eve. So hotels know this and they charge a lot. 
Um, otherwise, the hotels were not bad there. But um, yeah, but if you want to add New Year's Eve to your hotel, it's going to jack it up a little bit. So that's just something to be aware of. You got to just accept it. And that's that's the way it is. But again, the thing about Australia is getting around is very easy. There's no big culture shock. It's definitely first world. Um, they're doing better. It's, you know, it's safer than the U.S. It's cleaner in a lot of ways. And again, a lot of that has to do, most of it has to do with uh, just so far fewer people. And it's easier to keep a place clean when there's not people there messing it up. <laughs> and, uh, and again, I'm not saying they don't have problems. There are bad neighborhoods. We didn't stay in a lot of those, but there are a, a bad side of town. I even managed to do a little comedy. I set up a guest set at a little club in Newtown, which is an area which is kind of, it's kind of the hipster area, I want to say. It's got a lot more bars and restaurants. It's near the, uh, a university. So it's uh, a lot of young people. And... Uh, yeah, a place called the Newtown Hotel. And a little tiny comedy room that's another comedian books and has been running for a while. Check it out. It was, uh, it's fun. And uh, my friends got to come see me, the people in town. And uh, I did a little 15-minute set, and it was a blast. Had a really good time. So <laughs> I said uh, I hadn't been there since 1996, and you could feel some gasps in the room because I could tell looking around there was a number of people in that room who hadn't weren't even born in 1996. So uh, yeah, they, they were right to gasp. And back in January of 96, I did a set, not unlike this one, at a place in Glebe, G-L-E-B-E, -E, which is a different neighborhood, not too far, a few miles from where I was. And, uh, and it's like, if you want to track the progression of my career, 28 years later, I'm standing five miles from where I was 28 years earlier, doing a 10-minute free set. So, uh, yeah, things have come full circle. Uh, so, it was fun. So, it was a great trip. It is a long flight, but the good news is, you know, being based in L.A., there are direct flights. About 15 hours going there. About, took us a little over 13 coming back. If you get a good tailwind, you're fine. But it's direct. You know it's going to be long. You try to get sleep. You know, I read an entire book <laughs> that I've been meaning to read. I got through it all. And uh, knock on wood, I still feel pretty good. So a month of being away, and I'm talking on a, you know, between flying and being on a cruise ship for two weeks and uh, being in Australia and public transportation around a lot of people and flying home, still did not get sick. And so knock on wood, uh, I'm one of the few because there's a lot going around. It's just, it's just the way it is. Um, COVID has been making a little bit of a comeback, and thank God I avoided that. And uh, yes, it was, it was great. We all, oh, what else did we do? We went to a koala sanctuary up in Port Stevens, and that was cool. Uh, you know, wanted to see animals. But <laughs> after seeing them in a zoo... Uh, the sanctuary was great because, you know, they are, it's a sanctuary devoted to helping injured koalas who, of course, are endangered, um, not only by their habitat loss uh, and these uh, recent fires that they've had. Uh, you know, drought is the big deal in Australia. 
it's just lack of water. And so they're getting hit with things like um, everywhere around the world. And when it's not droughting, it's flooding. That happened the week before I got there, days before I got there, actually, up in Cairns, up in uh, Queensland. Uh, the, the airport flooded and roads were washed away and uh, it was a big deal up there. So uh, the weather is getting extreme everywhere and uh, the koalas are suffering. And also, I didn't realize they get hit by cars a lot. Um, they, you know, they wander out into the road. They get confused when they see the cars and stuff. So they get hit a lot. So they're rescued and also they get diseases. Chlamydia. I didn't know this. That's a very, very uh, big one for koalas and that affects their health a lot. So, but they're very cute. You cannot touch them. If, if you see a place where you can hold koalas, that's very rare. And I think it might be illegal to touch them. Uh, certainly these uh, rescue places and the zoos and everything else, you can come up close to them, but they do not let you touch them. Um, that's not good for them. Again, spreading diseases and everything else. And although, also, they got some razor-sharp claws. Uh, a lot of people don't know that about them. They'll slice your ass up, too, if they're scared. But uh, are they cute? Absolutely. And kangaroos, of course, everybody wants to see a kangaroo. We saw them, like I said, when we went up to wine country, but the locals, you know, they see them much like we see deer in this country. Or I, or I should say how the people in Wisconsin and Michigan and Canada and everybody else sees deer. Um, they are uh, not so much a nuisance. Well, they can be a nuisance, but they're overpopulated. They have to cull them, which is sad. But uh, if you don't, they will uh, you know, die of starvation really because there's just not enough food to go around and also they they get hit by cars a lot they cause a lot of accidents um they destroy a lot of farmers uh, fences and things and so there's just too many of them because they don't have really natural predators in australia so they do have to cull them and hunt them and every, which is again much like the deer up north around where i grew up you know i was born in wisconsin the deer hunting is you know, I, I don't want to do it, but I know why, because the deer are everywhere. And if, uh, you know, they, they don't have any natural predators anymore. They used to have the, the wolf and stuff uh, here in North America, but the wolf was kind of wiped out by man. And therefore the deer are everywhere. And if you've ever hit a deer with your car, I don't recommend it. Uh, they will jack it up. And uh, it's dangerous not only uh, for your car, but for you. People get killed hitting these things. And it's sad all around. So I can't say that uh, I, I wasn't excited seeing one from the car. Uh, they were just sitting there, a little family, little male, female, and little Joey, as they're called, little baby kangaroo, just hanging out under a tree. So I snapped a photo of it. Much better than seeing them in the zoo, where we saw some in the zoo, too. Anyway, but uh, Australia, I'll always recommend. The downside of it, again, um, it's just not that much different than, you know, America in terms of everything's around the same age. You know, both countries were started around the same time in the 17, late 1700s as an offshoot of uh, Britain, whereas they sent their convicts to Australia. They sent their religious uh, nuts to America. <laughs> I don't know who got the better of that deal. 
But um, <laughs> Australia, they're doing pretty good. They're doing pretty good. So that's the only drag that you're not going to see. Like, it's not like going to Europe and seeing 3,000 year old ruins in Rome or anything like that. That's not, you're not going to see that. Anything older than a couple hundred years in Australia was Aborigine and it's been pretty much wiped out. And um, that's a different story. It's very sad, the Aboriginal story, uh, much like the uh, Native Americans, um, and some ways worse. But anyway, I digress. Would I have liked to see more? Uh, we did not go to Melbourne. It was on the table. Also on the table was a thought of maybe flying down to um, Tasmania. But um, on a different time of year, it might have been better because not only were we there with a lot of tourists, look, it was the holidays. Uh, all the Australians were also off on holiday as well. So beach locations, um, places like, you know, flying to the flights to Tasmania were a lot. Uh, I considered going as far as Byron Bay, but again, you're getting into accommodations and it was top dollar for that week. Top dollar. Um, so, and also we weren't really after that flight, you're not really hot on getting on another plane, <laughs> but, uh, so we tried driving, but it's a huge country. And one day I'll go back and I want to see uh, the other part of it. I still haven't been to the center. Still haven't been uh, to Perth, which I'd like to see. And uh, yeah, you know, it's it's big. But there are a lot of other places I want to go as well in between. And I'm still working on that. And this year, I don't have anything planned. The only plan right now is I do have a number of cruises coming up. Uh, in February, I'll be going to uh, uh, just a f three days in uh, a Mexico one, Mexico to Costa Rica. But uh, one in the first week of March, I got a big one going down to Argentina, which, um, yeah, it's going to be a lot of flying. And uh, I'm going to go from uh, Porto Madryn, I think. Uh, anyway, south of Buenos Aires. And I'm going to take the ship up to Buenos Aires, then over to Punta del Este, Uruguay. And then I got to fly home from there. And whether I extend it, I don't know yet. I'd like to, but um, yeah, whatever it is, it's going to be a... I, I mapped out the flights and oof, it's going to be brutal. We're talking like 25 hours of travel minimum um, each time. So, and, uh, yeah, not looking forward to that, but in April do have a tentative, uh, flights. I finally used up my, uh, expiring Singapore airline miles. And the plan is to go back to Japan. Finally, four years after COVID canceled my April 2020 plans for Japan. I'm going to try April 2024 and finally get back to Japan. And I can't wait. So um, Tokyo, of course, is on the table, but somewhere else, uh, who knows? Who knows? Um, but you're going to hear more about that coming up. I hope uh, everybody is doing great. I hope you had a great holiday and stayed healthy. A lot of people didn't. <laughs> I know a few friends of mine who got really sick. Um, so hope you're healthy. And I have some really interesting guests lined up for you in the future. Maybe there'll be some changes to the show this year, but, uh, you know, just shake it up, shake it up a little bit. I need to be shaken up 
and I think you do too, but I am excited about more travel this year and knock on wood that my eye stays healthy. I just had a couple bad weeks on the road. I have good days and bad days with the, my repaired eye in terms that it, it just keeps drying out really badly. And now it feels fine. But then other days I'll think, Ugh, I don't know. Don't take your health for granted, folks. That's all I can say. But we're going to have great guests and I hope you stick around and I hope you keep traveling. Like I said, write me at TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com if you want to ask me anything. And if you write me, I might do an episode in the future where I just answer your questions that, uh, you, that you write. And so send them in and we'll talk about it because I get asked the same questions a lot. So if you got anything interesting you want to ask me or even personal, let me have it. Uh, TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. So that wraps up my South Pacific and Australian adventure over the holidays. I made it back in one piece, miraculously, without delays, without lost luggage, without anything else. Uh, It all worked out. So I'm relieved. I'm happy to be back. But I also, like always, have one eye out the window. Anyway, as always, thank you for listening. Get out there. Be curious and travel. Take care, folks. (laughs) 